0: What happens when you go to the Lord with such a burden that you can't even find the words to pray? Don't worry, you have the Holy Spirit to help. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah sheds light on how the Holy Spirit intercedes for believers in prayer, even when the words won't come. To introduce the compelling conclusion of his message, the groaning and glory, here's David. And I want to
1: thank you for joining us today for the Thursday edition of Turning Point. We're studying Romans chapter 8, and uh, we're in the last section of Romans eight, eighteen through 27. We're talking about the groaning and the glory, how the Bible describes the dis-ease we all feel, even as believers, knowing Jesus, knowing that we're going to heaven, but also knowing there's something not complete yet. One day Jesus is going to come back and finish the project in terms of restoring this earth to its original intentions, restoring us to all that we should be. Oh, there's so much to talk about. And we'll do that in just a moment as we open our Bibles to the 8th chapter of Romans. Friends, if you uh, received a copy of the book that I recently finished, Call. where do we go from here, you probably remember there's a chapter in that book on the city of Jerusalem. And I remember uh, writing that chapter and thinking, I can't wait to go back there. And we're going back there in March. We're taking a tour to Israel, and uh, the dates are March the 22nd through the 1st of April. We will be visiting um, the Central Coast, the Jezreel Valley, Galilee, the Golden Heights, Lower Jordan River Valley, Jerusalem in the Old City, the Judean wilderness, and the Dead Sea. We're going to see it all, 11 days in Israel. And you may be wondering, is, is that going to be okay? Let me tell you, Israel's way ahead of us in terms of securing the, the the place, making sure they're doing the physical things that need to be done to protect everybody. There's probably not a safer place to go than Israel. And uh, they're opening everything up for us, and we just want you to go with us. Here's what you need to do. Uh, go to our website. There you will find um, a button you can push that takes you to the Holy Land Tour and all the information you need to make your reservation. Let me just tell you, we already have well over 300 people who have reserved passage for this tour, and uh, we're going to have a great time. We're broken down into bus groups for most of the touring. We come together five or six times for great meetings. Then we go back into our own tour groups with a special guide in each bus and a special captain um, couple from Shadow Mountain in each bus. You just, you just can't imagine... How much work is done to make this the most enjoyable thing you can ever do, seeing the place where Jesus walked, being in the city that he calls his own. Well, let's go back to the book of Romans again, and today we finish up the groaning and the glory from Romans chapter 8. One of the most godly men whom I've ever read about in my life apart from Jesus Christ is the Apostle Paul and in the chapter in Romans before the one we're studying right now Paul said this O wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death Paul understood that though he was a believer in Christ and had been given a new nature he still had the old nature and he called the old nature this body of death and if you study that in the history of the words that are used what he is saying is I'm a Christian but I still have this old body of death and it's a picture of dragging a dead corpse behind you, the body of death. We groan because of that. We walk with the Lord, we live with him, we walk in the spirit, but periodically, the ravages of the old nature make their appearance and we're so disappointed and we groan and we say, oh man, how'd that happen again? And we groan thirdly because of the practice of sin by those who are around us. Men and women, we don't live in a perfect world. In many respects, we don't even live in a good world in terms of the morality of the world in which we find ourselves. This is not an attempt to blame other people for our problem. This is not trying to say, okay, the reason we are the way we are is because they're the way they are. (laughs) No, 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 that's not what this is. It's a statement of reality. We suffer innocently when others sin, whether it's personal or corporate or international. How many of you know When some of the things that are happening in our country today happen, of which we have no part, we still hurt because of that. Someone told me that there's an African proverb that says, when elephants fight, the grass gets trampled. (laughs) When things are wrong out there in areas that we can't even control, we often pay the price. What are we allowing to take place in the world in which you and I live? This is not what God intended for us, for this world. And the the only way you can express your feeling is to groan. We groan, and we groan because in the back of our mind, we know this is not what was meant for us, but because we also know God has something planned for us. And we groan awaiting that day. Those are the three negative reasons we groan. Let me give you three positive reasons that we groan. We groan, first of all, because we've been given the Holy Spirit to guarantee our glory. Let me try to cover this as quickly as I can. When you became a Christian, the Bible says you got the promise of the Father given to you, the Holy Spirit. We learned that. He comes to live within you. We know he wants to be the president. Immediately he becomes the resident. But the Bible says that this Holy Spirit who is given to us is the first fruits of God's blessing in our life. What does that mean? In the Old Testament, when Israel had a harvest, they were commanded to bring the first fruits of that harvest, the first evidence of the harvest, they were to bring that sheaf to the priest, and he would wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on their behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest would wave it. In this Old Testament ceremony, the Jewish farmer would give the first fruits of the harvest to the Lord, and it signified that the entire harvest belonged to him also. In other words, Lord, here's the evidence that I'm going to have this great harvest. This is yours, but whatever comes after this, this is yours too. Paul speaks of the Holy Spirit as the first fruits of the believer's salvation. In other words, the gift from God of the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion is the guarantee that one day you will be fully and finally redeemed. And the Bible says because we know that's true, and because the Holy Spirit who is in us is the first fruits of that which is to come, we groan awaiting the fulfillment of that in our lives. We know there is more to come. We are so blessed by the presence of the Holy Spirit, but we know there's still so much more that God is going to give us, the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. We groan, secondly, because we look forward to our adoption being final. What Paul is saying is that when you become a Christian, you get the spirit of adoption. Ultimately, there's more to that, because after this, you get the promise of the adoption, and then ultimately you get the experience of the adoption. The experience of the adoption actually takes place in the future, And Paul says that this term that we cannot read into our Americanized definition helps us understand that one day we are going to receive the ultimate induction into the family of God. We are in his family, but we're going to be fully in his family. How many of you have ever been to a bar mitzvah? You know what that is? It's called the placing of the sun. That's what we're talking about. And let me just read something to you from an aged, famous writing This is from The Robe by Lloyd C. Douglas, and here is Marcellus describing his adoption to a friend named Paulus. He says, when a Roman of our sort comes of age, Paulus, there is an impressive ceremony by which we are inducted into manhood. Well, do I remember the thrill of it abides with me still, how all of our relatives and friends assembled that day in the stately Forum Julium. My father made an address welcoming me into Roman citizenship. It was as if I had never lived until that hour. I was so deeply stirred, Paulus, that my eyes swam with tears." Inwardly, the believer knows that there's ultimately going to be a time when not only will he be in spirit in the family of God, he will be in reality in the family of God. His adoption awaits, the placing of the son in the family awaits, and one day that experience will be his. And the Bible says Christians groan anticipating that. We may not even know what it is, but we know there's something yet to come that isn't here yet, and there's something within us that says, I'm not there yet. I'm still on the camping trip. We groan thirdly because we anticipate the redemption of the body. This is what Paul refers to here in the eighth chapter. He says, one day our bodies are going to be redeemed. I remember preaching a series on heaven, and I did a whole message called the extreme makeover, which is what happens to you if you're a Christian when the rapture happens. Did you know that when the rapture comes and Jesus comes back, the Bible says those who are dead in Christ, they rise first, and they're changed to be like in their resurrection body. But we forget that those of us, if we're still alive on this earth, the Bible says, on our way up, we're gonna be given new bodies. How many of you would sign up for that today? Well, here's what Philippians says. Let me read it to you. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, watch this, who will transform our lowly body that it be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. The Bible says that one day when Christ comes back to this earth for his own, we are going to end up getting a body just like the resurrection body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our lowly bodies will be transformed into the glorious body of the Lord Jesus. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, But that sounds like a pretty exciting moment. And if you know anything about the glorious body of the Lord Jesus after he was resurrected, you get even more excited. Some of you will be so blessed when I tell you that after Jesus resurrected from the grave in his glorious body, he ate. (laughs) So somebody may have told you when you get to heaven, you won't have any calories because you won't eat. That is not true. There's actually trees planted in heaven from which we're to eat. Remember, Jesus one day showed up in a room and nobody knew how he got there. He just was there into a closed-locked room to be in the presence of his disciples. I don't understand all this. I don't even want to go there except to say, one day our bodies are going to be transformed. And the Bible says that in anticipation of that, we groan. And I can't think of anything more accurate than that. How many of you know the older you get, the more you groan and the louder you groan. <laughs> Isn't that true? I mean, there's no escaping it. We're on this trip, it's preparing us for where we're going to be. We're here, we're going there. But in the process, we're in our bodies. And the one thing that kind of keeps you going when you think about it is this is not going to be the way it is forever. When the camping trip is over, I get a new body. And the Bible says, when you understand that and comprehend it, What you do is you groan. What is a groan? It's anticipating something that has not yet happened, and you look forward to it. There's one third thing about this groaning. I told you it's the groaning of creation and the groaning of the Christians, but at the end of this little section, verses 26 and 27, there's the groaning of the Holy Spirit. If you listen carefully, this will encourage your heart. Here's what Paul wrote. He says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I could get into all the theology of this, but let me just get to the practical application of it. There are times when we're not able to pray, have you ever had a time in your life when you couldn't pray? You try to pray. Somehow the prayer didn't happen. I had a moment like that when I was going through my cancer adventure years ago. They had done a, a scan and thought they saw a spot on my spleen. And so in order to know what to do with that, they decided to do a biopsy of my spleen. That is not something you ever want to let anybody do to you if you have anything to say about it. Because of the way they do it. They take a needle about this long and insert it into your abdomen until they find your spleen, and then they extract the tissue, and it's extremely painful. And we were in the room waiting for this procedure to happen, and I was with Donna, and the two of us were there together. And I said, Honey, I know this is scary to you, and let me pray. And I tried to pray, and I couldn't pray. I tried to pray, and no words would come out of my mouth. Thankfully, I'm married to a godly woman. She prayed way better than I could ever have prayed. But I also know that in that moment, the Spirit of God was present. Here's what it says. We do not know what we should pray for, and the Spirit makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Spirit takes what we can't say, and He lays it out in perfect form for the Father, and our prayers are translated into the Father's presence. I know you can remember moments in your life when your heart was so heavy, your thoughts seemed to— confuse you. You maybe couldn't find the words to speak. Sometimes, even though we're on our knees in an attitude of prayer, we can only manage to sigh or groan or whisper the Lord's name. And in those moments, according to Paul, the indwelling spirit takes our sighs and groans and brings those prayers to God. He understands the inward turmoil in our life. He is the searcher of our hearts, says the Scripture, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. Have you ever asked someone to pray for you? because of a crushing heaviness you felt in your life, but you didn't even know how to request your prayer. Sometimes what we feel inside seems so hard to explain. Sometimes we're embarrassed to admit an old problem or habit has been with us for years, and we don't have to explain anything to the Spirit of God. We don't have to search for words. He knows everything that plagues us and burdens us and worries us and presses us in our spirit, and he spreads those very things out before the Father's throne. And he groans in our behalf, in the agony of our heart. Let me tell you what this is not. Sometimes you have to teach something this way. Before you can tell them what it is, you tell them what it is not. This is not, as some have taught, a proof text for speaking in tongues. (laughs) Some have interpreted this verse as arguing for prayer tongues, However, close examination reveals that the believer isn't speaking at all. The Holy Spirit is making the intercession. Moreover, the precise words in Greek are groanings which cannot be uttered. Literally, the words might be rendered unspoken sighings In other words, the communication is nonverbal, involving no speaking of any kind. In other words, this groaning is not words but groans, and it is not me but the Holy Spirit who is groaning. Let God be true, and every man a liar. (laughs) This is the word of God. I didn't make this up. This is just true. This can't be what some people say it is. It's a very convenient little landing place for people who have a point they want to make, but that's not what this means. This is not some spiritual tongue that nobody understands. This is the Holy Spirit interpreting your prayers and my prayers to Almighty God. We don't even speak. That's the whole point of it. We can't speak, and that's why the Holy Spirit has to speak in our behalf. But let me tell you what this groaning is. Among the benefits of adoption into God's family is the special supernatural care that the Holy Spirit brings to us. He is present in our lives in moments of moral, physical, and emotional weakness. He knows that he must approach God in our behalf, and he takes our burdens and bring them to the Father. Now, here's the point of Paul's detailed description of our groanings. He says in verse 18, "'For I consider that the sufferings of this present time "'are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Right now, we're doing some groaning in our bodies, (laughs) in the anticipation of what is not yet true, because we see what's going on around us in the world that we don't understand it. it doesn't make sense to us. But here's what God wants us to know. We're all in this situation in some respects because of what I said in the first story. It's what we experience right now that makes us long for the redemption. We know that God has something way better planned for us. I has not seen, neither hath mine been able to conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. And in the midst of the challenges we face, and let's face it, we do pretty well, we're okay. There's joy in the world, we know that. The Bible says we're to enjoy the good things that God provides for us. But as an overall picture, this world has got a lot of problems. Our culture has a lot of problems. We're all worried about the direction our country is headed if something doesn't happen. But friends, whatever discomfort we have, it's not even worthy to be considered in light of the glory which God has for us. One day when we get to heaven, I don't know if this is going to happen or not because I'm making an assumption about this. When we get to heaven and we look back on our lives and we're going to see some period of time when we were so Unable to even comprehend what to do. It seems so awful, so terrible. What are we going to do? This isn't going to change. This is going to get we're going to be in heaven. and We're going to look back and say Why in the world was I so upset about that? Because when you see things in perspective, when you see your sufferings in light of the glory, it changes everything. And that's why we read in Second Corinthians for even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So men and women, take these words from Romans 8. Remember, this teaches you the priority of hope. What is hope? Hope is the anticipation of something that has not yet happened. Hope isn't hope so, maybe it will happen. For the Christian, hope is the no-so. Hope is the anchor in heaven attached to the throne of God. You're on the other end of it and you know that your hope is in heaven. But we're not in the heaven yet. We're in the hope period of time. So what do you do when you don't have yet what you know you're gonna have? You hope. You anticipate. Hope is the measure of true Christianity. Popular Christianity is entirely connected to this world, but real Christianity is connected to the world to come. It's not primarily concerned even with the deliverance from hell and punishment and all the things that trouble us and worry us. True Christianity sets its affection on things above and not things on the earth. It is which says we look at the things which are not seen. That's what true Christianity is. Don't let anybody get you caught up in the fact that if you do this or that, you will get everything that you want. We have this blighted idea of what success is. And as Christians, if we're not careful, we allow the world to tell us what success is. We should be telling the world what it is. It's not more homes, more cars, more property, more fame, more popularity, more whatever. According to the Word of God, success for the Christian is finding out what God wants you to do and doing it to the fullest extent of your ability. And when you do that, you succeed. The world won't tell you that. The world will tell you all the other stuff. You can read books about it. You can read all kinds of books, listen to tapes and podcasts and everything else to tell you how to be successful. Let me tell you how to be successful as a Christian. Ask the Lord what He wants you to do. Find out what he wants you to do. Do it with all your heart, and there is a kind of success that comes with that that you cannot describe. The world will never understand it. They will never comprehend it, and they'll still be searching for it when you're all the way down the road enjoying it. I want you to know that when you get eternity right, when you get the future right, when you know that God has prepared a place for you and a plan for you, one of the blessings of the groans and glory is the perspective that it brings. You will not be surprised when things go wrong in this life. This world is not a good place. We live in a fallen environment. Your plans will misfire. You'll fail sometimes, often destroy what you have spent long years and much toil to accomplish. And even as a Christian, if you're trying to follow Jesus, you will see in this camping trip blood in the water. But we're not home yet. We're headed there. And in the anticipation of what God has provided for us, we groan. Yeah, Lord. And that's why when we come to the end of a message like this, there's only one thing we can do, and that's look forward to the day when that for which we groan becomes the glory of our lives. And it's going to happen before you know it. In the meantime, we'll stay faithful in the journey. We'll keep following the Lord and doing what he tells us to do. But soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. Amen? Amen. Amen. I can hear it, hear it playing in the background. We sing it often in our church. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. You know, we, uh, we know that when Jesus comes back, He's going to take us to glory. When He comes back again, we'll be with Him as He sets up His kingdom. But you can study the Bible eight hours a day for the rest of your life, and you will never be able to get your arms around everything God is going to do to bring this world back to the place where it ought to be. And uh, we know that in our inner spirit. We know that it's not there yet, and we know it's coming. And the Bible says we groan in anticipating it. Interesting. Tomorrow here on Turning Point, we're going to begin two days of talking about the greatest promise in the Bible— I like to say it's the greatest verse in the greatest chapter, Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together. Let's just stop it right there. And when you join us tomorrow, we'll finish it up tell you what it means. Thanks for being with us today. Have a wonderful day.
0: The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If Turning Point is making a difference in your life, let us know. Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098 Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Romans, The Written Word Journal designed by David to help you know God's Word more deeply. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries and instantly access our content. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series Romans 8 here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Are you
1: looking for an effective tool for studying the Scriptures? Dr. David Jeremiah has created an incredible new resource to help you do just that. The Bible tells us again and again to write down God's Word, and it's a practice that has personally transformed my study of Scripture. That is why I have created the first, the Written Word Journal, so that you can join me in this powerful practice. I promise you, as you follow God's command to copy Scripture by hand, your study of God's Word will be stronger than ever. Here's more. This journal helps you create your own copy of Paul's letter to the Romans. On one side, you'll write selections from Romans word for word. On the other side, you'll record your thoughts, reflections, and prayers. When you donate any amount to support Turning Point, the Written Word Journal is yours. If you give $60 or more, you'll receive the Romans 8 set, including this teaching series on CD or DVD and study guide. Order the book or the complete set at davidjeremiah.ca.
0: Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations we can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society.
1: President Abraham Lincoln is often remembered for this quote, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. Well, like President Lincoln, I have been there, and I imagine you have too. If you don't know where else to turn today, why not go to your knees and humbly ask God for His help? I don't know what your relationship with God is, but I do know that God is good and that God loves you and cares about every part of your life today. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's love on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home.
0: Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.